Hello and welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. I am your host, Paul Oren, the founder and editor of thevictorybell.com, a website dedicated to Valparaiso University Athletics. It's actually a website and a newsletter. And if you want to subscribe and get these emails in your inbox every morning, go to thevictorybell.com, sign up, $5 a month, $49.99 for the entire year, gets you all of the Valpo content that you want. It's a big show today. Uh, I'm going to talk for a little bit, and then we're going to bring in a throwback episode of Union Street Hoops, because today is March 13th. It is the 25-year anniversary of Bryce Drew hitting the shot. So we're going to go back in time to five years ago, and we're going to do a look back at the look back. Uh, We've got Todd Eichau, we've got Paul Jankowski, we've got Sean Hayden. The three of them sat down with me back when this was Union Street Hoops, and we did a 20-year retrospective, a media roundtable on all the stories that kind of surrounded the shot and all of that, and, uh, and, and that's what we've got. I thought about what I wanted to do to kind of commemorate the 25-year anniversary of this, and then I, I kind of made a decision last week, you know what, I'm just going to try to go find Baylor at the NCAA tournament and see where they're at, and, and I've been... You know, it was a long basketball season. I was hoping that Baylor would get somewhere sent somewhere like Orlando or Sacramento. Actually, I don't even know what the weather's like in Sacramento. Or somewhere close like Des Moines or Columbus. And then Bryce Drew's team at Grand Canyon goes and wins four games in four days. And then the other night, Saturday night, uh, out to birthday dinner, and, and they win. And... I'm like, wait, well, I, I'm going to go wherever Grand Canyon is. 25 years later, 10 years after the fact of Bryce Drew leading Valpo back to the NCAA tournament in his second year as a head coach, it just made sense, right, to 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 go and, and find Grand Canyon where they were at. Well, then during the selection show on Sunday, Baylor gets slotted in Denver. Grand Canyon gets slotted in Denver. Grand Canyon gets slotted against Gonzaga which Baylor beat for the national title two years ago. Roger Powell's an assistant on that staff. Roger was Bryce's kind of right-hand man at Valpo. Luke Simons and Jared Nunez are at Baylor. There's just so much. So I'm heading to Denver. I'm going to do a a Zoom with Bryce later on today, and I'm heading to Denver, and I'll be there for Baylor and for Grand Canyon and for the Drew reunion, and I can't think of a better way to kind of tap off or cap off this, this basketball season. So, uh, again, lots of questions about Valpo. What's going to be the future of this program? Where are things going? What's the roster going to look like? Turnover? Is Ben Creaky coming back? Is Matt Lotta coming back? Uh, on the women's side of things, is Mary Evans coming back? Are those players coming back? There's obviously a lot of other stuff going on at Valpo, too. The baseball team just knocked off number 22 Southern Miss. Big, big win. I'm going to have some kind of a look back at the coverage of that on the Victory Bell. I took a couple days off. I needed a couple days off in lieu of, uh, of both my birthday and just, uh, you know, arch madness, hoops in the heartland. And, you know, it, it was a long basketball season. It was a rough basketball season. Um, you know, it's... Uh, Obviously, I didn't win or lose any games, but uh, it's it's never never fun to to try to you know continually try to find stories in, in a struggle of a season. It was it was a tough year. So, uh, looking forward to the optimism of an off season, and also looking forward to the NCAA tournament. But that's for the future. I want to spend a little bit of time here looking back in the past. Thanks again. Uh, I, I told a couple of these guys that we were going to be doing this today. Uh, loved having this conversation five years ago. 
want to share it with you. This is an old school episode of Union Street Hoops, but I own it. It was my content, my IP, all that. And um, I, so we're going we're gonna to share this episode with you. It's an hour and a half. It's a great look back. Everything that led up to and the shot and all of that. And if you're, if you're hearing it for the first time, you're, you're going to hear some, some great stories. And obviously, if you've heard it before, again, uh, great trip down memory lane. So uh, without further ado, here is Fully Intact. A throwback episode, the shot at 20, five years later. So this is the shot at 25. Thanks again for listening to the Victory Bell, the podcast. Now, here is Union Street Hoops. Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops. Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast you can hear on NWI.com and on iTunes. And today we have a very special edition. I am joined in a bit of a roundtable right now by three guys that I, I really learned a lot from in this industry and three guys that were front court, front center at Oklahoma City for the shot 20 years ago. We are joined by the voice of the Crusaders, Todd Eichow, and by two great journalists, Sean Hayden and Paul Jankowski. Guys, thank you very much for joining me here on this roundtable as we talk about the shot and the run to the Sweet 16 and really everything that encompasses that. When I say 20 years, what do you guys think? I'm old. <laughs> it's been a long time. It was yeah. a long time ago. At the time, my daughter was turning six years old, and now she just got married last weekend. And congratulations. That's, so, that's fantastic. A little inside story. Bryce's shot actually caused Paul to miss his daughter's birthday That's party. right. My, really? And, my and, wife and was, I had to listen to Paul in the media room in talk Oklahoma my, City. Talk my wife off the ledge. Talk, talk his wife out of not divor- divorcing Paul because he was not going to be home from Oklahoma she, City. She was one of the only people in town who probably was not happy that Bryce made the shot. Fantastic. And, but So what happened was I call her after we each wrote like six stories, and she's like, so what does this mean? <laughs> Are you coming? I'm like, well, they play again on Sunday, so I'm not going to be coming home. Well, at least his birthday is Sunday. Well, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> uh, you know what? That's why they call it breaking news. I think it was a lot more. It was a lot longer conversation than that, if I recall. Paul, Cliff notes. <laughs> if, if you get Paul, I want to start with you. Just kind of what was your position uh, that year, and, uh, and and kind of what were your responsibilities leading up to that tournament run? Well, when the Vidette Messenger uh, was purchased by the Times, I became the Porter County Sports Editor. And I kind of did a little bit of everything. I wrote, I edited stories, and we all worked late all the time. Um, So I was a Porter County sports editor, but really all I wanted to do was write because really the only fun thing about the business is covering games. All the other stuff that goes along with it wasn't quite as fun. So um, I had covered the VU basketball team since they were bad in the early 90s when they were 5-22, and and I didn't want to miss the most exciting part of um, that era of VU basketball. Sean, you're not from the area, right? I mean, so what no. brings you? How do you get into, involved in all this? Well, I I, uh, I was in Massachusetts. You know, I graduated from college there at UMass. Um, shout out to Coach Cal. I uh, covered those teams in college. Um, that was a lot of fun. It actually helped prepare me for this job and covering a team in the tournament and covering the tournament. But 
you know, it was as simple as applying for a job out here, got it, packed up my car and drove out here. And, and one how of many years had you been here at this point? I got here in 94, so it was four years. I, I started on the beat Bryce's freshman year at VU. So I missed all his great high school career, but I, I, was, I arrived in time for his uh, college career. The, the crazy thing is, Paul, is that um, I took a job. I left the Vite at Messenger to go to Munster. And when I left the Vite at Messenger, Sean took my place. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't know what was going to happen, but then the Vite was purchased by the Times, and I came back as Sean's boss, which was a little strange. And when I first got here, and you know, to Porter County, it was, oh, you're the new Paul Jankowski, huh? I, I heard that. I mean. Trust, trust me, me, I've gotten that a lot as well. I can still hear it. That's right. Uh, I, I've gotten, you're the new Paul Jankowski, you're the new Sean right. Hayden, and all of that. Todd, you, uh, we've talked about this before, but you've, you called Bryce's games in high school and in college. What, Correct. What was, what was your journey? How did you get to uh, center court of that game? Wow. Uh, so we have to wind the clock back, right, is what we're doing. Um, yep. Well, I covered Bob Knight in college. So, you know, we, we, we've all had our experiences with uh, high-profile coaches. Uh, and when I left IU, within a year or so, I found myself in Valparaiso and, and working uh, in radio. And, and I was always told. And at that point, things were so bad, and Paul remembers this so well, things were so bad that the games weren't even on the radio. VU games. Uh, VU games were not on the radio. Uh, the high school games were all on the radio at that time. And the high school actually was drawing three to 4,000 people, and the university was drawing three to 400. And that's not an exaggeration. I would go to the games. The curtain would be down. There was nobody at those games. Um, obviously more than three or 400, but probably less than 1,000 at some of the games. So the people who say, like, attendance is bad now, it was nothing like it was then. Um, but we were – I kept pushing, you know, when we started doing football games and just kind of pushing to get the games on the air. And eventually uh, when Dave Redmond and Casey Schmidt came back and it was clear that the program was going in the right direction and they were starting three kids from Valpo High, uh, the games would, we got the games back on the air and we sold them and, you know, we moved forward five or six years and eventually um, the, the games got moved around to different stations, but um, I moved around with them and, um, Obviously, I was kind of like Paul. I, I, I saw things moving in the right direction, and it was, it was really an exciting time because things had been so bad when I first came to Valparaiso. What was the buzz like when Bryce Drew committed to Valpo? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of people were excited. I think, yeah. I think, I think mo people close to the program were pretty sure this is what was going to happen. I remember a bus ride coming back from Milwaukee, and it was, it was kind of the talk of the town. It, uh, th these were the questions like you get questions when you're out at Walmart or wherever. Yeah. That was the only question I would get in town, wherever I was. Uh, I'd have people call me up at radio, at radio station I was working at the time and, and ask me, what do you know? What do you know? Here's what I did know at that time. We were coming back. It was Bryce's senior year and we were coming back on a bus ride from Milwaukee. And, um, I said, you know, boy, I, I said to Scott, we were really, I said, I am been bombarded this last couple of weeks with people wanting to know if Bryce is going to go to Valpo. And he goes, you know how close we are. And that's all he said. <laughs> and he had that smile. And he goes, you know. And, and so I, you know, I, I never went on the air with it um, until the day that it was being announced. They had the pr a press conference at Valpo High in a classroom. 
And that day, the day before, I called as many people I knew who were close to the Drew family, and I said, I, I just want to be 100% sure. And I had a couple of people say, 100%, he's coming to Valpo. So I did go on the air three, four hours before the press conference and say that, you know, it's unofficial right now, but we expect Bryce Drew to announce that he's going to Valparaiso University. Well, from, from our point of view, um, the night before that press conference at Valpo High School, Homer invited me and Leo Joint to their house. This. I remember this. And we were actually at uh, Homer's house the night before where they confirmed that Bryce was going to go to VU. I kind of still was suspicious that he was, might go to Syracuse or Notre, Notre Dame. Notre Dame was probably the one right. that came down to as being a possibility. Right. But um, I thought back to, I think, when Bryce was maybe a freshman in high school or sophomore, and Homer made some sort of comment. Oh, we were talking about Dave and Casey transferring in. And Homer said, well, when Casey's a senior and Dave's a junior, Bryce will be a freshman. And at that time, Bryce was about a five foot seven. 135 pound freshman or sophomore or whatever he was and i said do you think bryce is going to be good enough to go to vu and homer's like oh yeah he'll be good enough so that goes back to his freshman or sophomore year and i kind of had forgotten about that but i should have remembered and and thought all along that he was going to go to valpo but we think he held did he held off announcing because he wanted to be mr basketball and if he had announced that he's going to valpo instead of iu there's no there's there's yeah i think there's little dispute on this right Bryce did not announce he was going to Valpo until after the Mr. Basketball votes. It was were at in. the end of April. He he yeah. was he was. I think pretty much everybody who was close to the situation knew that if Bryce and, and the Mr. Basketball vote was going to be close that year, it wasn't like he definitely. Uh, Bonzi Wells. Wells was the other player that ever, and Bonzi Wells, from all everything I heard, could have gone almost anywhere. Except his grades were very iffy, and some of the bigger schools backed off. He go to Ball State, and he ended he up going to Ball, Ball State, State, where he and became one of their all-time great players. Bonzi played in the NBA as well. Bonzi didn't play in the All-Star team, I think, because he was so mad that he wasn't Mr. Basketball. Maybe I have to look that one up. Sean, you call, you covered the team, and while Bryce was pretty easy to figure out as he going here, they would bring in so many international guys. What was trying to cover those stories like to, to break a Tony Vilshinskis or a Zoran Viskovic showing up on these rosters? The the language barrier was the was the, the best part of it. It was the you know the, the most challenging aspect of it. Uh not with the two guys you you mentioned, uh Tony and Zoran, because they were already here. They had played uh whether it was a junior college or a prep school in okay. the United States. Um you know, the, but, you know, I remember this is after Bryce left, but, you know, speaking with Lou Bosch Barton when he first got here and, you know, it was, we were pointing at things to try to communicate. Rytus you know? and Auntie and all of those guys. Yeah. yeah. No, it, but. Rytus spoke really well. Yeah. But Rytus, Lou Bosch did not speak as well when he came in. That's right. Yeah. And, and he was introverted too. He, right. he, I think he didn't want to make a mistake so he probably didn't speak as much as he probably could have but um yeah there's no doubt without the the international players coming here that you know we might not be sitting here exactly exactly uh we'll get to the to the the year in a little bit but this was a gradual process and i think a lot of people don't maybe necessarily understand i'm sure people close to it do but for the outsiders uh first take me into that freshman year for Bryce championship game against Western Illinois triple overtime Paul what do you remember from that game well Sean and I were talking about this a little bit ago um that year BU had lost their bid 
or the the Midcontinent Conference lost their bid because the Horizon the, League, the which year was in before, the Midwestern. Cleveland State, Wright State, and Wright State led the charge, I think. UIC, Green Bay, and Milwaukee had all left what was the old Midcontinent Conference. And there was a rule at the time, I don't know if there still is, that you have to have a certain number of teams in your conference to retain your bid. Well, the NCAA used whatever rule they could to keep the bid from the Midcontinent Conference that year. And so VU played a, a, a ridiculous triple overtime game against Western Illinois and won the game, and everybody was sweating out Selection Sunday and no bid. And no NIT either. No NIT. So that was the end of it. That was David Redmond's last college game. Mm -hmm. Bryce went crazy in that game. I can't remember the details, but um, it was amazing. And, and that, that whole season set up the next few years because um, V was then in a, in a weak mid-con, but they were a program big time on the rise. They would have competed with those other schools those, those next three years. They might not have won every year like they did in the mid-con, but that, that was the year that kind of set up the next three years. And, and I, I think that was the first game ever televised by an ESPN right. network. At, yes. at the Arc. At, yes. at Valpo. That's 100% correct. And it was the first the ESPN2 or something like it that? Was, yeah, it was on yeah. ESPN2. Clark yep. Kellogg did yep. color. Yes, that's right. Which is shows you know how far he's come i guess he's right. doing the the valpo uh, game that <laughs> didn't even really matter from a from a tournament standpoint i'm trying to look up what bryce's numbers were because that that went down as one of bryce's 10 yeah. greatest games as we know in the we have the, ar the article we, we, have, we have we have this would have been great on video because, this would be because we've got all the articles yeah from I, the, uh, that tournament. I went through my archives today. We have we have an entire dining room table of cookies. Thank you, yeah. and uh, uh, and all of the uh, all of the literature from here, these games. Here's the write up. Uh, Bryce had 25 points in a heart stopping midcon title game at the Arc, earning MVP honors as a freshman. He had key three pointers to force two of the overtimes. That's beautiful I writing. Made, I think he made, yeah. if I remember correctly, I think he made between the last couple seconds of regulation. And the overtimes, I think he made about four threes in that period. Yeah, because he, he, yeah, and I remember that too. Because back in his freshman year, Bryce still, I mean, I think he probably averaged fifteen. I don't even think he averaged he, that much. You know, he deferred. He deferred to the older guys like David Redmond, like Wayne Charles. I mean, he was um, the guys on that team. Chris Ensminger on but, that team right, too. But but when it came down to it, um, you know that he, he was, and, and they, I think they learned that lesson. Early that year, they were down at Butler, right? They're playing Butler and Hinkle Fieldhouse, and they have a shot to win the game in the final seconds, and they don't give Bryce the ball. Mark Dick. Mark Dick took the and, shot. And Bryce had 29 points in that game. And, and yeah, that's the last time – I'm not saying that's the last time that Bryce didn't shoot the ball in the final seconds, but that's the last time he didn't have the ball in his hands to, to make the decision of who was going to take that And who was shot. a student manager for Butler in that game? Scott Drew. Scott Drew. <laughs> Man, terrible. So the next year, sophomore year, they uh, they get back to the Midcon Championship game, win the game, and now they're going to the NCAA tournament for the first time in Division One history. Uh, what did, and they they draw Arizona. What did you guys think? Kind of did you, well, all three of you guys were at that game, right? No, no I let Sean, and I were. I let Sean go to that one. Yeah, we okay, had, we had you, you saw the writing on the wall. You see one. what was going to happen? No, actually, I didn't because. Going into that game, Arizona the year before yeah, had been had upset lost. by somebody. Santa they, Clara, but, maybe. Yeah, they would Santa get Clara. upset and, all the time. And it was it was a very talented Arizona oh. team. I wasn't falling for the whole oh, miles. Arizona's the team that doesn't play well in the tournament. Right. And and ESPN was at they had a big selection thing at the old Union, mm -hmm. 
and ESPN filmed it. And Homer mentioned something on the microphone. Well, we know Arizona got beat last year in the opening round. Yeah. And um, that was played on ESPN. Great. And um, they did not get beat that day. Yeah. It, I think it was ninety to fifty one. Was that the Jason final? Jason Terry came yes. off the bench for that team. It was fifty one to fifteen at halftime. Jason Terry is still in the NBA. That's what I'm saying. Just he came to, off the bench as a freshman for them for that team and was just, I mean, you know, just raining threes like he did now. But to Todd's point, Lou Olson did not forget Homer's. Uh, in the post game afterwards, I I asked the in the NCAA tournament. It's a very strict pro- protocol. Players come up. They take the questions. They leave. Now it's time for questions for the coach. So the players are sitting up there. And, and so I asked the question. I asked the, the, the Arizona players. I said, how much of a motivation was it for you to know that people were picking Valparaiso as a possible Cinderella team? Also, based on the fact that you guys have lost in the first round the last you know, yeah, the year before, the two out of the last three years. And so Lute Olsen didn't allow the players to answer. He goes, I want to answer that question. Breaking, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he just kind of went off on me a little bit saying what the world is full of negative people and it's people <laughs> like you with your notepads that cause all the problems or whatever. I mean, it was, it was this interesting. Is not, so it's your so fault they that were, you they lost. Were, they were really, yeah, they were. <laughs> this is 1996 and yeah. he is criticizing the media. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they did not forget the, you know, the way they had gone out of the tournament and the way at least, Valpo would take a note of that. <laughs> and Arizona won the national championship the next year with those yeah. same players. Yeah, yes. yeah, they were loaded. So then Bryce's junior year now, uh, would they get a 12 seed right against Boston College? How good? How good was? They had the school record for wins, I think, that year. They were that was, that team was, was really, really good team. team. They had uh, Chris Artis was on that. Team. Yes, he, yep. He was an all-conference player. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of Bill Jenkins had sort of come into his own that year. Yep. And same with Zoran Viskovic, yep. who had become a, a, a really good player. Vilshinskis, Jamie Sykes. I mean, they had uh, Craig Bruins. Craig Bruins was coming off the bench. They were a really, really good team. And as a 12 against a 5, we knew every year, you know, a 12 beats a 5. Yep. And we went into that game, which was in Utah. Salt Lake City. Salt Lake yeah, City. That's right. Beautiful. At, at the Huntsman Center. Yeah. That's when there was a lot of games were played back then at just college arenas, yep. which was great. Yep. Kind of a neat atmosphere. And Bryce came out, he made six threes in the first half. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, Belton was up seven. Sixteen to two. Yeah. And at the start of the game. And they were up seven at halftime. Yeah. That was that happened a lot even when I was a student right after the Bryce era where they'd play these bigger teams and always jump out to a ten two, you know, eleven three jump and then, you know Well this was this was sick. I I, I remember I think by the first media break, Valpo made four threes. Mm-hmm. Chris Artis made yep. a three, and I think Bryce had three threes by the first media break. And it was like, all right, what's going on? Yep. And it kept going and going. And Valpo actually, for most of the first half, led by double digits. And Boston College made a run right before halftime to get it to seven. And then they came out and they played boxing one in the second half. Yep. And they basically took Bryce out of the game. And he didn't force things. And nobody was able to kind of shelter the load at that point and help out. Yeah. Boston College got over the top. They won the game 73 to 66. Chris Artis had 15 in that game, I remember. And um, Boston College was good back then. Donya Abrams was on that yeah. team, I believe. Scooney Penn. Scooney Penn. Penn, who ended up going to Ohio State later. With Jim O'Brien. Yeah, and Michael Red. You know, they, they were the, there was that backcourt. 
backcourt Ohio Penn State. And Michael, uh, Scooney, Penn and Michael Red ended up with the Milwaukee Bucks for a little mm-hmm. bit there. Yeah, so that was a really good Boston College team coached well too, and you know that was that was a tough pill. I remember you know after the game because they were like you said they were off and running in that game up seven. Um, but that really kind of set them up, I think, for the next season. Yeah, the, the only, and the only, games, yeah, that they lost one piece from that team, and that was Chris Artis, who was Greg Bruins left as well. Yeah, he was the like, seventh man, maybe sixth man, and then they brought in, you know, two talented freshmen to replace. Right. Uh, you know, we're talking about Jared Nunes and Jason Jenkins. So now we've we've got you know the the winning and not getting into the tournament as a freshman for this group of of guys. Sophomore year, a blowout loss. Junior year, it's getting close. Now into the senior year, and you feel like they got l- one last chance. And Bryce Drew is sick. What? What? Talk to us about Bryce Drew and and not being able to play a couple of those early season games. Yeah, and it wasn't just that. Like he had, he had plantar fasciitis. Yeah, and then compartment syndrome is, is is I think. And so he didn't play to start the year. Remember, even over he didn't play in the Purdue game. Or, and over the over the summer, there was questions of whether Jamie Sykes was coming back. I don't know if you yeah, remember Jamie Sykes. Had been drafted in baseball, in yes. Baseball, and they were the dispute. I thought there was a dispute with the university. That's right. That, about it, would Jamie keep his scholarship um, because he had become a professional athlete? And they had just changed the rules, I think, around that time, and hadn't they? There was a lot of confusion, and um, it wasn't guaranteed. It that was he not was... guaranteed that he was going to be able to keep his scholarship because he mm-hmm. had become a professional athlete in a different sport, even though many other guys had done it in the past. Danny Ainge made a shot yep. in the NCAA tournament and then was playing for the Toronto Blue Jays at the same time. There had been situations, similar situations in the past. They got it cleared up just in time, mm-hmm. which was really needed because Jamie had a tremendous year. He had the yep. game-winning shot in Hawaii against Pacific. Uh, Michael Oluwakandi on that team? Yep. Yep. Yeah, number one pick in the draft that yeah. year. Jamie had far and away his best season. Of course, he had an incredible game in the NCAA tournament yes, he did. against Florida State. Mm-hmm. Into the uh, sweet. I mean, and he told me we talked last week, and he said that he played so bad against Ole Miss that when they won, he he told I forget which coach he told. I think he told Herrick Jr. Yep. He said, "I'm going off yeah. this next game." Uh, yeah, I I remember that specifically, uh, and I remember Herrick telling me that. The, the funny thing about Jamie too is he was he was a basketball junkie. He loved college basketball, and he it killed him that you know he did not score against Arizona. He did not score against Boston College, so now he's he's played two NCAA tournament games, and he hadn't scored. And it was because he was overexcited. You know, this meant so much to him because he just loved college basketball. And uh, I, I, t- I talked to him about it, and you know, at the, at the time, and he says, "I, you know, I, I it's going to happen. I'm going to score, but it, it was it's been eating me alive." You know, and yeah, uh, 1914, yeah. yeah he, that's <laughs> it. I mean, he, he was he was a for the younger fans who don't know. A great college basketball player, an unbelievable athlete, his Valpo Hall of Famer, great outfielder, spent time in high minor leagues. And a good defensive player. He allowed he was such a good compliment for Bryce, right? Because Bryce did not have to take on that defensive assignment now. Great point. Because Bryce in high school would guard the best player on the other team. Mm-hmm. It's kind of something that was overlooked. Obviously Bryce got in the NBA. Mm-hmm. It was a little tough regarding Allen Iverson. But Bryce was an outstanding defensive player yeah. on the high school and collegiate level. But he did not as Jamie Sykes would guard. Jamie Sykes was a kind of a similar guy to Tavon Walker. Yeah, he, Soft, that's right. Physical, could really defend. Jamie was a better shooter than, than yep. Tavon, but similar attributes that he was a guy you wanted to go to war with. Yeah. 
So Valpo Bryce returns, you know, gets back, and and they they roll through the midcon, right? And uh, yeah, they, they, that was after uh, just it was a shaky it, start it was a to the terrible season. Terrible start to the season. Yeah, Paul. They, lost they, to Bethel. They the, lost well, to Bethel the famous in the yeah, the famous loss to Bethel because Bryce wasn't playing, and Ryan Bales, yep. I believe, played for from, Beth, North, Judson. from North Judson. Yep, he played did. for he Bethel, and he wanted to prove that he should have gotten a scholarship to VU. Yep. Ryan Bales was a, a and he was probably good enough. High school, high school yeah. player, mm-hmm. and the North Judson would run into Valpo in the in the At regional the, every year. Um, and Ryan Bales didn't have a Division One offer, and he ended up going to Bethel. He got money. Mm-hmm. He got a scholarship. Bethel was an NAI school, but they offered money and had a, one of the all-time great careers at Bethel. He led him to a national championship. But he came to the arc, <laughs> yeah, and he was. was, and this is no joke, the best player on the court that day. Yeah. Yep. Bryce Drew was not there, and this kid went off. He made every single shot. Uh, I think he later became the head coach at North Judson. Is that correct? Yeah. He was at high He's coaching coach somewhere now. Plymouth, I think, at one time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went off that day, and they got beat. Valpo got beat. And, again, this was the team that we thought, all right, we're going to blow through everybody. Top 25, Top maybe. 25, like, you know, really? Go to the NCAA tournament, win a game, win it. And we lose to Bethel. Now, granted, Bryce didn't play. We understood. But that was still – it still wasn't sure when he was coming back at that point. Like, you know – it was, I'll never forget this. It was when that game ended. It was like complete depression. Mm-hmm. This was our team. This was the team that that's gonna be the all time great team. And it was an afternoon game. Yep. And a lot of a lot of us, the coaches back then, Steve Flint, Jim Herrick, Scott Drew, uh, we would all go out after games and talk and just you know talk about. We had done this for a few years now. And after the game, I went with actually. Um, I said, "Well, we're not going to all go out. Whatever. Nobody. That, they, the coaches were still in the meeting. not in the mood. Yeah. We're not going to go out." And I went with Rob Barron to China House. Believe it or not, yeah. at four o'clock in the afternoon, like we got to talk about this. We got to talk about what's wrong. And I don't want to see anybody. Let's just we'll go to China House. We'll eat. We'll get this out of our system. And we're sitting in China House a half hour after the game ended. And who walks in? Steve Flint and Scott Drew. And they go, what are you guys doing here? Like, well, we didn't want to see anybody. What are you guys doing? <laughs> we didn't want to see anybody. <laughs> um, there were... and, 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 and then, and I think, honestly, then the Purdue game came, and I think we got encouraged again. Yes. Bryce didn't play against Purdue, nope. but it was a close game throughout. <laughs> Zorn played phenomenal against Brad Miller. They uh, lost by... By 16, but it was, it they was had it close, eight, six points. Jared played well as a freshman, I remember. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Jared Nunes made some shots against Purdue. And then you're like, okay, you know, yeah, this, this they got something with this kid. And then, we, then we went to Hawaii. Right. And played really well. Beat Montana by 12, lost by five to Stanford, and then beat Pacific that, and, and, late and, game. You know, this, this, MVP of that this yeah. whole, and, this. And he had just come back. Is he 100%? Yeah. Probably not. Was MVP of the tournament. And in that Stanford game. Todd was there. I wasn't. Paul, were you there? No, but I, was I just Hawaii the, three years earlier. I remember the the free throw discrepancy was like forty five to five. Oh, and you know that's what made the loss to later on to Rhode Island. So they would have played Stanford, who right. they by all rights should have beaten already early in the season. That Stanford team, well, obviously, they went to the Final Four. That, I mean, yeah. that Stanford team made the Final Four that year. Right. Mark Madsen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had those two guards that were really. They were a really good team. And then the big kid Tim Young, who was a first round draft pick. They you know. did. I think they beat Purdue. I think they, they beat, beat Purdue in the Sweet Sixteen. So the Sweet Sixteen was unbelievable. Two teams that Valpo had lost to early in the season. Yeah, yeah. that played really well against yeah. Purdue and Stanford. And, and Rhode Island. Valpo and Rhode Island 
for the other two teams. Coached by Jim Herrick Jr. C- Jim Herrick Sr. Right. And Jim Herrick Jr. was on staff at Valpo. So it was kind of a crazy bracket there. So Valpo gets into the conference tournament, feeling good about themselves. Had won a, a handful of games leading up to it. Uh, they, Nine in a row, I think. Yeah, yeah. They roll over, you know, Buffalo. Hey, Buffalo by 11. Uh 19 point win over Youngstown State in the championship game. Yep. Was was that just was it understood when that game started that Valpo was going to win? No, there... because Youngstown State had, had they were very good. Yeah, okay. And they won at the Arc. Yeah, they did. 69 66. Yeah. Season, probably February to drop Valpo into second. I don't know if you remember. So there was a two way tie, I think, for the lead. Valpo had to win at Youngstown State. State. Mm-hmm. And, and Valpo won that one 70 to 68. So yeah, both. Both in aggregate, Youngstown State actually came up ahead one point in the regular season. Right, it was and, a very and, good Youngstown. And you couldn't team. discount the Buffalo game either because that that those that year those were blood feuds, Paul. Um, when there was a game at the Arc, um, the the Buffalo coach Tim, Tim Cohane <laughs> came out onto the floor to threaten Tony Vilshinskis. He wanted he thre- physically threatened him right in front of us on the floor. Got teed up. You know, Tony was a great agitator. He was just an all time great agitator. And um, then after the game, the, the one of the big guys from Buffalo, you know, refused to shake Tony's hand. They, then they got into it a little bit, and it ended with Tony. Tony, Tony was kiss. the great ag- agitator. That's a good that, word for him. That, that, there were some unbelievable games that year. The midcon was very strong up top yes, that year. In fact, so Valpo, if I remember correctly, had to win at Youngstown and had to beat a real good Western Illinois team yeah. on senior on night. senior night, that's to win the conference. In fact, Paul, if Valpo had lost to Western Illinois, they would have been the three seed yep. that year. It was kind of unthinkable. And then Bryce came out. This is this is the great story. Unbelievable. Bryce comes out on senior day, and he makes seven threes in the first seven half. Seven threes wow. in the first, first half. And that led to the Brad Underwood. Yeah. Now the, Brad coach, on, now the coach at Illinois coming off the court. He yep. was an assistant at Western Illinois at the time. So 20 years back, Brad Underwood, the assistant at Western Illinois, and that was when the newspaper writers and the radio, we all sat next to each other on the good old press days. row yeah, the good old visitor's right. bench. Uh, next near the vis- visitor's bench. And Underwood is coming off the floor, and Sean overheard him, right? Yeah. So, he said, well, the good news is there's no way he can do that again in the second half. This is what he talked about. After he made seven threes in the first half. And again, you look, Bryce played his best games against Western Illinois, and he oh, said, yeah, yeah. Underwood again, he can't do that again in the second half. And Kerwin disagreed. Disagreed vehemently <laughs> that blank he can't. You know, they've seen enough of Bryce. He, you know, over the years. You know, that they also beat Valpo that year. It might have been a New Year's Eve game or the, like they, they beat Valpo at Western. And I think Bryce missed a game winning shot. Against... That that was the game where sixty three, sixty two, yeah. That was the game where they took the point off the board. Oh, Do you remember this? Right, yeah. So Val, this is the beginning of this. The beginning of the conference season against uh, Western Illinois. Valpo is down by one with fifteen seconds to go, and Bryce hits it a three from the right wing to put Valpo up two. And Western Illinois inbound the ball to Mark Buckingham. He raced it up to half court and shot the ball with about four seconds left from half court. Didn't recognize the time. So as he shot the ball from half court with four seconds left. He kept running forward. He shot it on the run. He kept running forward. And the ball hit the backboard and the rim. And he ran into the ball mm-hmm. like a punt returner, sprinting yep. full speed, ran into the ball around the free throw line. And when he did, with .9 seconds to go, he ran into Bryce, who was just getting back trying to get the ball. And they called a foul on Bryce. Wow. So now it's a one-and-one one for Mark Buckingham with Valpo up two. Well, then the officials yep. all got together. 
And they had a long conference about, uh, was that a three or a two? Even though one of the officials clearly signaled a three. Anyway, an official apparently said, I saw his foot on the line. And as they're meeting at half court, the three officials, Homer comes over to ask, what, what's going on here? And then you can see Homer get really upset as the officials tell him, well, we think that was a two. Because now it's two free throws to win the game, right? Yep. And it was at that point that Jim Herrick Jr. came over and took our crowd mic and, and, <laughs> and said some expletives into the crowd mic. <laughs> Uh, about if they change this call into from a three to a two, to which Bill Rogers, who was doing the game with me at the time, um, quickly said, Todd, I think some of the Valpo fans are upset. They may be changing this call to protect Jim Herrick, who had just clearly swore right. into, our, into our microphone. Uh, so they changed it to a two, and now Valpo was up one, 62-61. Buckingham up, went up, made both free throws, and... and and Western won the game 63-62. A very tight race at the top here as I'm looking at the standings from that year. Valpo 13 and 3, Oral Roberts 12 and 4, Youngstown and Western Illinois 11 and 5. So after Valpo played Youngstown, they go on the road to UMKC and uh, and Todd, it, could you care to enlighten us about the UMKC trip that year? Uh, that was the that was the uh, yes, there was something specific that happened that trip that uh, is certainly on the top of my mind as you bring it up. Um, so the day before the game, the night before the game, we actually ate at a Ponderosa. See, that's how things have changed. <laughs> no, the, this is Lubos Barton's favorite restaurant was Ponderosa. So, so we ate we ate at a Ponderosa for whatever reason, um, and we came back like a normal night, and I was um, sitting like ten o'clock, maybe eleven o'clock. It was after bed check. I remember that. And I'm in the room with Scott Drew and Jim Herrick Jr. And we're just watching SportsCenter, which was kind of in its early stages back then. Yeah. Um, and as I open up the door to leave to go to my room, Bill Jenkins, uh, Bob Jenkins is sitting in the hallway. Okay. <laughs> so I go, what are you doing? And Scott's like, who are you talking to? <laughs> uh, I go, well, I think it's Bob. It might be Bill, but I think it's Bob. He's just sitting in the hallway. So Scott walks over. He goes, what are you doing? Come here. What are you doing? He goes, nothing. <laughs> he goes, well, we're already at bed check. What are you doing? Why are you in the hall? He goes, listen, I'm going to go to your room and find out. You might as well tell me what's going on. So apparently, uh, Bob was rooming with Tony Vilshinskis that um, road trip, and uh, one of the girls from Ponderosa was in the room with Tony. Oh, you can! I, I, I can't even say it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it. Um, anyway, yada yada yada. Yeah. When we got back, uh, I mentioned I re- the bisque. I received you yada over the best part. <laughs> <laughs> I received a, a fax. That's how things work. <laughs> This is a true story. I'm on the radio at WIMS in Michigan City doing an afternoon show to which um, our program director walked in. He goes, no way, I've got a really weird fax. I go, what is it? He goes, Antonis Vilshinskis has been suspended. I go, what could Tony have done? Who? I said. Who could Tony have done? I said, um, it has something to do with something that happened at Ponderosa. Right. (laughs) <laughs> he goes, what could have been so bad at Ponderosa? 
So clean plate. So I, uh, I've, I've spoken to many of the guys on the team leading up to this, and, and, and obviously all the stories have, have gone public since this podcast has gone up. And uh, Tony, this is, will not make it into the newspaper, but Tony, uh, we started talking about different things, and he mentioned taking running a gauntlet, which is, uh, for those who don't know, that is the form of punishment you have to run if you do something wrong, you, you know, whatever. And, and Tony was, uh, got in a little bit of trouble. And uh, and said that he had a girl in his room in Kansas City, and every time he hears a song "Kansas City, Here I Come," he smiles and sings along. And then he started singing on the phone to me, and it made me wish that I would have recorded that conversation. And uh, very good. Okay, so Valpo, uh, let, let's get back on task here. Valpo wins the Midcontinent Conference tournament. They knock off Youngstown State, sixty-seven forty-eight. And that game was over at halftime. That yeah. game was over ten minutes in. I don't think we ever lost a game at the Market Quad Cities, right? I don't think so. Bryce Drew, Jamie Sykes, Bill Jenkins, all three make the all-tournament team, yep. and uh, and and so now it's Selection Sunday. What are you guys thinking? What I mean, this is the final show, the final run for these guys. Did you think a twelve, a thirteen? Uh, I can tell you this: Valpo was playing spectacularly. Yeah. At the end of the season, and and what was really good. Was the midcount was like twelfth in the RPI yeah. that year? Um, it was a good so league back then. It, it was a significantly better league. I think we were hoping for a thirteen seed was about the best we could get. Yeah. Uh, because again, we lost nine games. You know, back then you could reverse engineer it with the RPI. I mean, that's that's essentially what and, you would and, do. And the the RPI was almost the, the tell all. Yeah. It you was would just much easier for guys like us to do it. Obviously, the experts are really good at it now, mm-hmm. but for the average guy. You could just go through the RPI, at least deciphering between like the 12s, the 13s, and right. the 14s. Like it was almost all in order of RPI. Uh, and Valpo was on the border of being a, a 12, a 13 or a 14. Because again, they had the nine losses and their RPI wasn't as high as it was the year before. when It was in the 50s when they lost to Boston College. And when they got the 13, I was happy, but they were playing Old Miss, who everybody had had as a three seed. It was like almost like, Instead of being a three fourteen game, it was a a four thirteen game. So it was almost the same thing because Ole Miss was a top twelve team at that point. It, it felt were. like there was. I mean, I remember I was a senior in high school at the time, and uh, and the very little thing I knew about Ole Miss was they had a guy named Ansu Cisse, which is about the coolest name ever. Right. And uh, and there was a lot of Final Four buzz about him. And there was there was a lot of people who projected Ole Miss yes. to be a final. And player. he was he was SEC Player of the Year, I believe that year. Yeah. Yeah. They, they thought he was going to be an Ron NBA Mercer star. Was in the, I think Ron Mercer was in the SEC right, at right. that time. We know with Kentucky. Was as a late first round draft pick, they had Keith Carter, who was considered a guy who could be an NBA player a year in advance. I think he was mm-hmm. a junior at the time. He was. So they had a they had a really really solid team, and they were a little bit. Like Virginia, they shut people down. They were big, physical, strong. They dominated the the SEC by beating teams like 65, 55, scores like that. Yeah. So, and they're starting, one of their starting guards was Mike White, now the coach at Florida. Paul, what did you think when you saw the draw? What did you think about Oklahoma City? I think we were just concerned about where we were going to get to go. And at home, we had just, uh, there had been a blizzard. Sunday night. Um, right, it was, it was Selection it, Sunday night? It was Selection Sunday night. And, and, and back then, you actually had blizzards that you didn't know were taking place. And you woke up Monday, and it, it, you were just – everybody was snowed in. And this is all part of the great story of the season, of this team. It was so bad. There was no power on campus. I mean, there a lot a lot of town – in town, there was no There power. was no school for two or three days. There was – the, the, there were so many people in Northwest Indiana without power, 
at that time that there were all sorts of people were listening to the radio station mm-hmm. to find out what can we do to, to heat up our house yeah. uh, because power had been lost for days. Yes. And from like Sunday night to Tuesday afternoon, I would say maybe half the homes in Lake and, and I, think, I think it was like LaPorte and Porter County were without power. And, and, we, we, and we did like abbreviated editions of the paper, I believe. Yep. And that, I remember when we drove out of town to Oklahoma City, once you got with like, like south outside of, of yeah, you got thirty miles south away, of Kankakee, you started seeing yeah, lights right. again. It was it was pretty crazy. So on that Monday, they didn't practice. They you couldn't get into the arc. There was no electricity on campus. And I remember calling some of the guys in the team, Bryce, Bryce, what are you doing? I, I'm running in place and doing sit ups and push ups. <laughs> I mean that that was the extent of their workout that day. I called Bill Jenkins, Bill, what are you doing? Well, we got no power, so my fish tank's not running, and my <laughs> my fish is dying. I'm watching my fish die as I'm talking to you. So, like, th- you know, this is Monday. Thank goodness they didn't play Thursday. That's that's another thing. They weren't playing until Friday. Yeah. So, if you play Thursday, now you have to leave Tuesday because you have to get out there for your obligations on Wednesday. So, they were able to double up practices on Tuesday, and then, you know, they, they were able to leave on Wednesday and get out there. When it was the three of us drove together. Right? We drove together with our photographer. Sam Ritchie. We rented a van. Yeah, we, yeah, did. we had a, this, yeah. the newspaper rented a van, and we brought the radio guy Times, with us. Yeah. Times brought me in exchange for us to write to run Times commercials during the games. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Bartering, that's right? Yeah, good. I mean, that's good. Old time. As I say, right the good old days. Yeah. I'm so jealous. No problems getting down there or anything. No, it won't. No. You know, the roads were clear by then. But like yeah, I said, you there was no power got, anywhere. Like Kankakee or, or yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, it was. We were fine. Basically went to the hotel, put our stuff down, and went to the arena. I think I started out because I wanted to sleep all night. I, yeah. I was too old to. Sp- stay you were up old all back night. then, huh? Yes, I was. <laughs> Todd, we've uh, we've covered a handful of NCAA tournament games together, and you always have a good sense. Can Valpo win? Can they not win? I remember the Maryland game a couple of years ago when Alec Peters was a sophomore. You walked into the gym that day and said, "I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be you know what what Valpo's good at. Maryland's not, and and it was a really close game." So as the prognosticator, so to speak, what did you have a sense? I thought, I thought, and this is one other point we haven't brought up yet, that when Bryce finished the game, he said his ankle was bothering him. When he finished the game against uh, Youngstown State, he said his ankle was bothering him. And then I started talking to everybody. What's going on with Bryce? Well, he's not going to be 100%. They're going to tape it up, blah, blah, blah. He's going to go. He's not practicing. He wasn't practicing. His ankle had swollen, swelled up. So he played that game against Ole Miss. A lot of people don't even know this at less than 100 percent without wow. having practiced even the day before in the shoot around. He was all when they had the shoot around. I don't know if you remember. He was down on one end of the floor all by himself. I said, I was working. People were asking me and I said, obviously, he's going to play, but he's, he's not 100 percent. So, I mean, what do we obviously without him 100 percent? We saw the Bethel game. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> right. And anyway. He came out early on. He made a couple shots. We're yeah. like, all right, he's fine. He's yeah. fine. But I had said, if he's 100%, we obviously have a chance. And I think Valpo was only about a six-point underdog in that game. Right. And, and against a team that many people thought were gonna go to, was going to go to the Final Four. And it shows how much respect Valpo had and how well they had played and how strong the Midcon were, those top five teams back then. You know, Oral Roberts, Youngstown State, Western Illinois. Northeastern uh, Illinois. Northeastern Illinois had a too. good team. Buffalo. Teams were all good teams. Yeah. So that – the, the, the midcom was completely different than it was when Valpo left back, you know, 12 years ago. Yeah. So as the game's going on, are, are, are you guys, you know, particularly for the two guys that grew up around here, um, what's it like watching, thinking it could be Bryce's final game? 
I mean, were there emotions at all? Anything there? I mean, I know that. I mean, I've I know that it was very difficult for me. I guess I didn't really get a last game with Alec Peters, but knowing and kind of seeing these seasons end is never easy. So what was that like? Knowing that as you sit down at the at whatever you were writing on the computer typewriter whatever at that point we had very primitive laptops at the time and we had to send it through the phone lines yeah Yeah. but yeah I mean being his last game I I don't know if I was thinking too much that it was Bryce's last game but I just wanted him to win Um, I thought I I remember thinking if we don't win now we'll never win a game in the NCAA tournament because we're losing we're losing four starters and it. The program certainly was at a different level than it was five years earlier because I mean, we brought in Jared Nunes, who was the Minnesota Player of the Year, Gatorade Player of the Year. Yeah. So yeah. we were beat re- out Khalid Alamine. Khalid Alamine. That's so right. We were bringing in significantly better players, but are we ever going to be in a position where you have somebody who's going to be a first round draft pick? We knew Price was going to be a first round draft pick. We thought maybe yeah. a late first round. Right. Are we ever going to be in a position where we're going to get a player like this? And are we ever going to be in a position where he's surrounded by a bunch of seniors too? And 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 you have to get a good matchup. Like Ole Miss wasn't gonna just just overwhelm well, this you. This is like what people say about Virginia, right? That you know they don't have a bunch of NBA players. No, they had Ansu Cisse, but you know it's the same thing where maybe a, a small school can get hot, and make some shots, and that's what happened. Valpo made shots it, in that game. They right, played they, great. Yeah, they they played a tremendous game. They were in it the whole way, well, which they, which they, is what they, people forget. But they did threaten to pull away a couple of times. Ole Miss did, but then Valpo would hit a shot. He'd yeah. get a stop and then hit another shot. I think you know. I think Ole Miss got up by eight or nine a couple of times. Um, I didn't even remember getting that high. Was it yeah, that high? I, I believe. I think it was. It might have been eight. I remember thinking, "Oh boy, if it just gets to double digits, are these guys going to start hanging their head, Paul?" Because they they had not beaten anybody in four years, and and I'm um, you know. Maybe they, I'm, a, I'm a harsh power five. They, 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 they had not, been, they no had not power beaten five. power five teams. Right. And they this is, the, the, I guess, the, the question I want to lead to is, Sean, you probably see this differently than these guys right. do because you're kind of objective mm-hmm. to an extent. So what, I mean, what what did you see? I mean, were you were you saying, okay, well, they haven't really beat anybody? That You know, what? Uh, I remember thinking they should beat this team. Like 10 minutes into the game, they should beat this team. They, we talked about I think I remember talking during the game, yeah. thinking these guys are beatable. Yeah, this team is – I mean, I, I don't know what everybody saw in that team, or maybe it was just that They beat Valpo Kentucky or something during the valued, year. Right, but, yeah. but they were – that Valpo was the – they were a better team. I don't care what anybody said. They had everything. They had mm-hmm. they had two big guys. They had – you know, they had Bryce. They, you know, Ansu Cece well, was SE Player of the Year, but Bryce was the best player on the floor. And let's remember – we almost beat Stanford. Almost. And Stanford was ranked, again, mm-hmm. like eighth or ninth at the end of the season. So yeah. I think we felt probably pretty good that, hey, look how far we've come. Right. And look where we were just a few months ago. Yeah. So we're better than we were back then when we almost beat Stanford. So I felt pretty good, yeah. I think for a mid-major in the tournament, you need three things. You need seniors, mm-hmm. experienced guys. You need a lead guard. And you need one good big guy. Mm-hmm. And they had... All of those things, if not two a little bit guys. more. They had yeah. two big guys. So um, Zorn was really good, too. And yeah. he's, he was such a good big man. He would screen. He had great hands. He could hit the 15-footer. He and Bryce were just so – they played off each other so well. I, I mean, think – we and we've all talked about this yeah. amongst each other. Yeah. That when you look back at all the players in Valpo history and say, who is the guy who's kind of most not thought of as being great but was great? I think Zorn's at the top of the list. He's he was Definitely. a great player, and they yeah he was he was a really just he really didn't have many deficiencies for a big man you know uh, very good offensely could shoot speed, from outside. Yeah. Paul for very me smart for me I kind of 
I thought back to 1994 when, and Todd was in Indianapolis when Valpo High School lost to South Bend Clay yeah. in overtime in the championship game. That was Bryce's last game um, when he, in high school. And we were up by eight or nine points with a minute to go, and, and South Bend Clay rallied, hit a three-pointer at the buzzer, and won in overtime. So being in a big gym like that, covering a game in a big arena um, four years ago was the biggest heartbreaker that anybody could ever think of, really. And so I didn't want to go through that again. And and so you didn't want to get too excited. I'm I'm, I'm always yeah. grabbing at Sean and saying, come on, we're going to do it. You know, we're going to hang in with these guys. And we just stayed in it the whole game until the last setup. And then uh, Cissé missed, what, two, two free throws? Two well, free before, throws before, we get in, before we get yeah. into that play, okay. I want to take you to guys to the Bryce Drew three-pointer before that with about 16 seconds right. left mm-hmm. in the game, I think. And uh, when he missed, less than that. Less was there less than that? The shot was with six seconds to go yeah. because okay, was because that it? Okay, six. Okay, not sixteen. Fouled, six. He was fouled on the rebound. Bryce, it was, and this is Sean talks about Zorn being such a great understanding of the game yeah. and a great player. Uh, Valpo had gotten a, a miss with about twelve or thirteen seconds to go. Jamie got the rebound. He got out to Bryce. Bryce ran it up, and he got kind of caught in a bad spot and Zorn flashed. That's right. Bryce passed it to Zorn who touch passed it right back to yeah. Bryce for the open mm-hmm. shot. That was so typical of Zorn to make such a smart play. And Bryce actually got a better look yes. on that shot and he missed it. Yep. And uh Valpo fouled with 4.1 seconds to go. And it, he Down just two. looked so deflated. Bryce did when he, when he missed that shot. And, and you'll read about that in the article. I, I talked to Bryce about that the other day, the day after Vanderbilt just lost to Georgia in the conference tournament. Bryce and I had a, a good conversation, and, and he talked about that shot, and he thought, well, we're, we're done. Yep. And uh, I talked to Jamie Sykes, and Jamie Sykes, when he gets the ball and he's going to inbound it, which we'll get to that in a second, but he'd said, we're done. You know, everyone had said, we're done. Every guy I've talked to so far said we were done. Um, so I've got a good story for you. Yeah, go so, ahead. Um, and this is urban legend. I didn't witness this myself. I was told it secondhand. On the other, on the other side of the floor – is where all of the NCAA tournament officials sat. And the, um, the, one of the people who worked for the arena in Oklahoma City, during the timeout, or was approached by someone from the Mississippi support staff who said, hey, um, we had a hard time getting in today. We want you to set up a police escort for us on Sunday. And the guy from the arena said, okay, but do you know the game's not over yet? And the Ole Miss person said, well, we're we're up two. We're shooting free. Th- our best guys on the line shooting free throws. This game's over. You know, this game's over. It's great. So, um, you know, it's just it's just funny what you hear secondhand. This is in the That's last great. time out. Before, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's great. Uh, the ball goes out of bounds. I didn't even think. I thought it went out off of Alpo. I, right. When it happened. When it happened, I. You know, that's funny. I it, obviously I've watched the replay many, yeah. many times. Uh, Carter goes up and they rule. Carter and Jenkins go up mm-hmm. and they, they say it was off Carter. I think if it was – there was no angle that they ever showed where it was definitive either no. way. But today, obviously, there's right. a lot more angles. They look at it. There's a replay. Yeah. So who knows? If 20 years right. ago, there My, was no replay. Yeah, you're right. And gone back and flipped it and said that the, the ball was maybe off uh, Bill Jenkins. I don't know. Uh, I'm looking here. I'm looking. There's no definitive – I've watched it enough times. Right? You can't tell, but it's – it's and definitely it was, questionable. And it was down the other end of the floor from right. us, too. We right. were had a, like a diagonal view of it. Sean and, and, and I and uh, Todd were all across from the VU bench, directly mm-hmm. across right. at about the free throw line. That from was our angle from, from where, from where Bryce shot. hit the shot. Yeah. Here we go. I asked Jamie Sykes. I said, Jamie, 
when you get the ball, do you all know what play you're running immediately? And Jamie says, I don't know if it was all together. For me, one of the captains, it was instant. I saw the video not too long ago, and I turn and I yell out the play. But Bill knocked the ball out of bounds. I looked at Bill, and I said, oh, well, it's our ball. But Bill absolutely knocked the ball out of bounds. It should have been Ole Miss ball. (laughs) We got away with one. Wow. So this is the joy of 20 years later. Jamie said it at that point? No, Jamie said it two days ago. Jamie didn't say that in the postgame press conference. Yeah, no, of course he's not going to say it in the postgame. But he said, we got away with one. Yep. And so... So, That'll make Keith Carter feel real good if he reads that article. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will tell you, it would change my life if the ball had gone out of bounds. You might not have come to VU. I would not have. I guarantee that. And we'll talk about that later. So, um, well, Todd, you're the one who's got to make sense of this in the moment. You two have an advantage here oh. where you guys get to. Sean was taking notes. I was, I'm in awe of what Todd's able to do. Like, you guys just... have you guys get to sit back and, and think about right. it a little bit. And we didn't have to get anything on Twitter like you do immediately. No, I know. Right? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I, I do remember, you know. Like, things happen in your life, and you remember them so vividly, no matter how long. It could be from 40 years ago, 30 years ago. I remember vividly thinking, this is exactly what I remember thinking, was if we make the shot, the call is going to be everywhere, and I can't screw it up. Wow. And I remember vividly thinking, like this, cut Bill Rogers off so I could start. Wow. Wow. Good plan. Start the plan (laughs) of announcing this last play. Um. And so we could, there could be a real audio clip of this. Otherwise, I'm going to look like an idiot. Um, and I remember when the ball went in, I, you know, you went off for about 15 seconds, and then Bill started talking. Immediately in my mind, I thought, I think I didn't screw it up. Um, They've got to go the length of the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2.5 seconds. We've got the actual. I don't have a battery. Yeah. Oh, okay. They made the well, plaques. We've we're, got the I'm going to find it, and we'll try to drop it in the podcast here. I'll probably end up breaking some copyright rules, but whatever. We can do it. Um, if, if you tell me I can play it, I think we can play it. All right, you can play it. They've got to go the length of the court with 2.5 left. Like long pass. Bill Jenkins through straight for the win. Go! It was, you know, one of those moments where I couldn't wait to go to the commercial um, to kind of ask the guy producing the game back at the studio, do we have it? Was everything okay? What's going on? Um, so I kind of wanted to get to a commercial and, get it, and just to, just to kind of clear my mind and, and make sure everything went okay. And, you know, there's moments in your life where you know this is going to be significant. And you want to make sure everything goes the right way. Um, so I remember that specific. I remember all those things. I remember the producer saying to me, I've already gotten calls from so 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 this was like three minutes after the game. Mm-hmm. Wow. I got a call. I think the guy's name was Peter Brown, had a nationwide. Yeah, Peter yeah. Brown, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Peter Brown's people are calling, they want to they want they want to call the shot. Um, we got a call from Mike and the Mad Dog. I went on that show, by the way. 15 minutes after the game, after I was off the air. Right. Mike and the Mad Dog. I remember, um, I think we got back, they were in the, there was a media work area. Now, the game had ended, we we stayed on for another half an hour. Uh, Scott came on within five minutes after the game, and 
Scott was on for a good 10 minutes, and everybody was just cheering. Behind him, our fans. I remember Bill Steinbrecher gave me a big hug. Just the little things that happened. Dick Harlan, the late Dick Harlan, mm-hmm. uh, kind of put his arm around me, shook my hands, because can you believe this? You know, the guys who had been around for a long time right. had seen the lousy times. Um, not only did we won a game in the NCAA tournament, which was kind of unthinkable two or three years earlier, um, but in this dramatic way that we knew it was going to be a humongous news story, yeah. sports story, news story. I re- so we're off the air, and I did an interview with Mike and the Mad Dog in New York from the phone, sitting out of my cell phone, from the phone sitting right there. Um, and Bill said, you know, we're getting – People are trying to get through. They're calling. There were lines, like media lines, where you could mm-hmm. get in touch with people. When we, there were no cell phones at all back yeah. then. Yeah, there right? were no cell phones. So after I did all that, I came back, and in the media workroom, I saw Paul and Sean, and we got caught up. And I think it was Sean said, and they had ESPN on. They had the games on certain, they had TVs in there, and they had ESPN on because it was a big deal because Digger Phelps and Dick Vitale did a studio thing. Yeah. Um, throughout the course of the day. ESPN covered the tournament with a studio show right. that went on throughout the day, and they would play the highlights, whatever. And I think Sean said something like, they've already played your call on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Okay? it's awesome. So I go, and, and, and by then, the other game, which was TCU and Florida State, yeah, TCU was at halftime, yep. and Valpo was playing the winner of that game. And I went back out, and, uh, and I had known Bryce since he was in eighth grade. And so there was an attachment there that, you know, was kind of neat. And we were, you know, I wasn't really back in that day. It was kind of weird being close to any players or anything like that. But of all the players, Bryce and I had, you know, some sort of connection. And I went out there and he was sitting there with his teammates just, you know, as (laughs) normal Bryce. Just watching the game. Just watching the game and not acting like anything had happened. And I said, um I know they said they had already played the call on ESPN. And after congratulations, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's incredible. Let's go. Let's not stop now. Let's win on Sunday. Bryce said, they played your call on ESPN? I said, yeah. That's what I heard. He said, man, you are big time. <laughs> and I said, you you know, you, you were the one who made the shot. Right. And he goes, yeah, but they played your call. That's great. Uh, Paul, What's the lead of the story? What I mean, what, what when you've got to try to put that into words, and you, and you've got the stories in front of you, but I mean, what, what? How do you, uh, how do you even get your mind wrapped around what you just saw? Well, I think I usually waited until we went through the press conference at the time, and it was a morning game, so we were not on big time deadlines. No, we had all day to um, write, so yeah, we, we had a lot of time to do it, and I liked to wait as long as I could, and and sometimes the lead was just the last thing we would come up with. Um, I think the headline writers might have been the guys back in the office. We might have put through some suggested headlines. I, th- um, I think I came up with. I think that was my. I think I did right. We've got Miracle, Miracle Man. Miracle Man was actually, I believe, the only headline that was only used in Porter County, because the sports editor at the time was Dave Campbell in Munster, and we had several editions back then that ran, and I don't remember what headline they used, but I remember Dave regretting it later that he didn't use miracle man in all the editions mm-hmm. and we and Todd we, what's the what's the first line of the story there of Sean's story what does that say Sean there? had the game story and I wrote the column and I think yeah. I had a story that was on the front page of the paper Sean uh, the gamer because there's three articles on the front page the the game story the first line is what are the odds 
And then the next line, this was Sean's game story. I wrote a protracted lead because it was a morning game. And people, anybody who's reading the article did not need to know. Yeah, they already the score. knew. Yeah. They, everybody already knew. So I kind of. Here, it's I'll a good Sean, point. Like, read the first kind of three paragraphs there. Yeah. What are the odds? What are the odds of a play working when you ask a five foot eleven guard to inbound a pass over the outstretched arms of a leaping six four defender? Especially when that pass has to go has to travel three quarters of a court. When a six six forward has to outmuscle and outleap two six nine defenders, because he was double teamed, Bill was yeah, double teamed. Um, just to get his hands on the ball, never mind catch it. When that forward has to twist his body in midair and decide whether to shoot the ball himself because Bill actually did have the option, but right. or pass off to a guard streaking beside him. And then when that guard has to pull up on the run and hit a jumper of at least 19 feet, 9 inches, with the weight of an entire game and four years of near misses eating at his conscience, when all that has to take place in 2.5 seconds. It works 30% of the time, said Bill Jenkins, and he meant in practice. That's good so stuff. That's good. It was... Yeah, they you know they they knew it to run, but it was still desperation. Yeah. It was, I mean, that's it. Desperate times call you know for desperate measures, and I I just remember thinking it was it was short. I remember thinking that everything had no short. when Bryce let go of the shot. I he think you and I both thought it was short. Yeah, he thought and it was short. Bryce thought it was short, and I don't know if he talked to you about Tim Bishop yeah. looking up from above, helping that ball go in. I don't know if Bryce talks about that or not, but. That's exactly what I was thinking at the time, and I think a lot of other people were too. Yeah, yeah. Tim Bishop, the Tim had died star that athlete at the summer Valpo before, High. Yep. right? Right. Yeah, summer before. In April of '97. Yeah. Um, you guys, if I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, on our ride there, our 12-hour ride to Oklahoma yeah. City through the started in the snow, you guys had talked about that the Times originally thought about only sending one of you. Is that? Do I remember that correctly? Or it is wouldn't that, have surprised. It, it would not have probably. Yeah, us. because right. Sean was the only one who went to uh, Arizona. But did be, you go to Salt Lake City? I did go to Salt. So Lake So we City. talked to him. I was the sports editor, and there was always but because concerns we because because we were driving, we were it dri- wasn't costing right. Much if, more if, money if, for if we had if we had flown, yeah, yeah that's true. Probably Sean would have just gone. But we ended up renting a van, and Sam was a trooper and drove the whole way home. I think, and I didn't want to, but. We got back to town, and there were still remnants of the, the blizzard was still happening here. You know, that's the other thing. I bet if this game was not in Oklahoma City, our photographer would not have gone. I, I, right. I, I'm guessing they just that was, sent It me was probably one of the in. only drivable venues that we could have gone to. Yep. Every year. It feels odd because this is the first year in a long time that Valpo hasn't been up for some postseason. But every year I always would look for covering the team. What are the drivable places? You're always looking for fly- Milwaukee. Yeah, what are right. the flying places? And... Uh, and it's oh no uh, Seattle. You know, a couple of years ago, I was sure they were going to Portland, and then they got Detroit, and I was like, oh, okay, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. And then and then a couple of years after that, I was like, ah, oh, they're probably going to go out to, to Charlotte, and then they got uh, they got Columbus. So I've been blessed with really short drives in my time in Oklahoma City. I've driven down there for the Midcon tournament before in Tulsa, but uh, so Paul, you had to write a column. What what did what? And it says finally VU may get some respect. What was the uh, what was the thought that you were going with? Well, here? at the time. Only V was only known by us locally, mm-hmm. and even just Valparaiso or Porter County, because and even today, people in Lake County don't care that much about Valpo. Um, people outside of the Horizon League and the MidCon didn't know much about Valpo, but finally, they won a game against uh, you know on a big stage against a 
power five opponent in the most dramatic way possible. in, in, in the most <laughs> which is still played it's going to be on tv today yeah. we're doing this on selection sunday and by the time this runs it's going to be on tv probably every day between now yeah. and the tournament um i think that's just part of it because we knew bill and bob jenkins were big time athletes mm-hmm. bryce is a big time basketball player jamie went on and played ba- uh, uh, pro baseball tony was about as mean and as good as they could come zoran we've talked about how good mm-hmm. he was we knew how good every they were, but they'd never proven it on the big stage. Mm-hmm. Let me get, ask you guys about this because I've I've obviously got to know him later on after this, but but Homer was just is this great personality, um, you know, and and I think as a media member, love covering him. Uh, you know, it got to to the point where you can kind of script his press conference answers a little bit. But how did he change? From this, how did how did the Drew or did mm. they change at all? No, no. Well, I I've got a great story about that. I don't think he changed. <laughs> I, I got. I have. Homer became more of a star nationally. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and Definitely, in fact, he yeah. was on the, the Final, Final Four, Four show that year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and Paul, I know you've heard this story before. This is one of my favorite moments from that weekend. Um, was about 15 minutes before I went on the air before the Florida State game. Um, Homer came up and he he's saw me getting ready and he just sat down next to me and here we are it's a half hour before the start of the biggest game of his life and he just comes over and he sits down so right there shows you i i, I think bob knight's not going over he's right. sitting down you know in a sweet 16 game he's not sitting down yeah. next to don fisher and like, hey what's going on but he's but uh homer said todd can you just imagine what it would be like for our town and our school this university, if God would allow us to win one more game, <laughs> I mean, just give us enough to win this game and go to the Sweet 16. And, Paul, you know my response. I said, Homer, this has nothing to do with God. Um, we're the better team, and thus we're going to win the game. And I really felt from you know watching Florida State that we were the better team. Again, we've talked about yeah. how good a team we were, yeah, and we proved it in that game against Stanford and Hawaii. And look, Florida that we State could was play. a twelve seed. They were too. the twelve, and, and yeah. Florida State was a twelve seed. So it's a twelve against a thirteen. They barely got in the. Tur- they were the last team allegedly to get but into the last, tournament. At large, that yeah, last, because at there was large still to get only sixty four. Right. Um, and Again, the, the good old days. And, right. and the twelve <laughs> seeds were usually either the best mid major or the you know the worst major. Yeah. So the, and those teams are always about even. But I looked at their roster. They didn't have NBA players. Randall they, Jackson, I think, is the only guy that got had a cup some, of coffee. They had a really NBA. tall guy. Didn't they have a six eleven? Yeah. Randall Shabazz? Jackson, I think. Yeah. Shabazz. Shabazz. Yeah. Oh, Shabazz. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they who was a freshman, yeah. right? And was not. Again, the, this was not an overwhelming major team nope. like we had faced in the past. Um, so I thought, for sure, we were going to win the game. I, I had, I, I, I was just telling everybody. I think we got a great chance to go to the Sweet 16. This is incredible. And, of course, we won the game. And they were in control, I believe, the whole game. It went to overtime, but even when it went to overtime. Well, we scored first uh, in overtime. Yeah, Outscored them 8-2 to two in overtime. Yeah, yeah. I, I just always I, always I never felt like they were going to lose that game. Vilshinskis. Vilshinskis uh, had I, a putback. Yeah. Uh, we were up two mm-hmm. with about 40 seconds 40 seconds, that's what I was thinking. And, yep. and, and Bryce missed a good look for three, which yeah. would have put us up five, but. Tony got the offensive rebound and, of course, did not wisely bring it back out nope. like he's supposed to because we're up by two clock. and forced him to foul. He went right back up in traffic and threw it up, and, tra- and the ball went in. I mean, he threw it up. Yeah. I mean, he flipped it up. Just it wasn't flipped it up like, in the air. And, it was not You know, like, over like a seven-footer to yeah. get it in and, and put Valpo up four and then, you know, one more stop. And, and I think Bryce ended up with a steal. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Bryce had a steal on it. I think knocked it away going in the lane and, and got fouled. And Tony was... said to me when we talked after we were done talking about the Ole Miss game, I said the Florida State game is one that often gets overlooked, and he he kind of chuckled and he said that was my game. And he was yeah. very, you know, he felt good about the that. The Tony and, and Jamie game. And yeah. Jamie as well. Because right. yeah. Zoran dominated against, yeah. uh, in, the, in the opening round game against Old Miss. Zoran had 19 against Old Miss. Jamie did nothing. Tony was not a factor in the Ex- game. Except for his leg whip there on the Boone kid. Right, right, right. Mississippi he got hurt, him out of the game. Right, right. They had a big oh, physical right. kid Anthony who Boone. had Anthony Boone, who had a lot of knee problems, but when healthy was a very good player. Yep. And. It, Tony, as he would do from time to time, he took the other guy out. <laughs> he did, and and Boone did he not return or did he try to come he back? He tried in? to come back, and that but that that I he remember did he not, had he wore he two knee braces. He wore two. Knee. He had multiple surgeries on both knees. He looked and like an Tony NFL player. Tony was going down, and he made sure that Boone came down with him. He leg locked him. And, so uh, so Valpo Valpo's enforcer knocks the guy out of the game. Val, the ball goes out on Valpo. And uh, man, how how the narrative can change. That, so what, what, that Florida State game for me, it, it to, to me, what it seems like, it's like the gold medal game against Finland. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. The, we've already achieved what we came here. You to did. Achieve. You didn't win the gold medal by beating Russia, but that's what you wanted. Right. That that's what you wanted, and uh, the way they did it. Um, you know, it was like Todd said; they were they were the better team. You, you you did not go into that game against Florida State with the anxiety right, maybe right. that you like, would have against Ole Miss. We have no chance, right? Yeah, ne- was... never thought that at all. No. Thought, thought we had a great chance, and the same thing for the Rhode Island game. Yeah, we, um, I mean that whole week was incredible because we were thinking, oh my goodness, do you realize? We were playing Rhode Island. The game's a toss-up. And not Kansas. They were going to play right. Paul Pierce right. and Kansas Rafe in St. Louis. Yeah, yes. Paul Pierce, Rayfield France, number one team in the country, got upset by Rhode Island. We'll never yeah. you know, forget that game. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my goodness, Valpo's going to play Rhode Island yep. in a, basically a toss-up game. And the winner of the game will play Stanford, Stanford or, or Purdue, Purdue, who we knew we could play with. Yes. It's, uh, you've got – Paul, you've got the article there, Destiny's Darlings – and uh, and and just beating Florida State is it's again I, I think Sean you hit it on the head it's a game that gives often overlooked because Bryce Drew hitting the shot did not put them in the Sweet Sixteen beating Florida State in overtime did um, I want to ask you guys from a media perspective what was that week like in between the games mm-hmm. I mean I have to think that all of a sudden the small town Valpo team is on the map. And when you guys are going in to do interviews, my guess is ESPN, CBS, everyone is rolled into campus as well. How? What was that like? <laughs> yeah, it was chaos. It was you didn't have crazy. The, you did not have the access that you used to have uh, that that week, just because they they needed to get the kids. It was, it was it, crazy. It was, we were I mean, used... there were helicopters overhead. Good morning, America. I mean, right. it was. Just, I was just about to say, Good morning, America. Came it was and insane, did it. Paul. I mean, it was just. Bill Rogers was the sports information director at the time, and he was also Todd's color commentary guy. And we were usually the only guys he had to deal with, me, Sean, and the Post-Tribune guys, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Who was the Post-Tribune beat writer at the time? Well, Mike Hutton, Hutton became Hutton. the beat writer that year because um, we were talking about the Jamie Sykes story earlier. I think Sean might have had that in the Times before it was uh-huh. in the Post. Yeah, oh, yeah, I had that. <laughs> and I was someone, all over that story. And someone might have gotten in trouble for that at the Post-Tribune. Very um, good. But, Very yeah, good. It, but Fresh scoops. We were kind of – you know, they always knew we were going to be there, so they didn't have to help us out too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I can but, just imagine. But the there were there were news stations from around the country doing stuff on Palpo. It was it was insane. If you watched like the Channel Five News out of Chicago, yep. 
they would have a feature like from Bill and Bob Jenkins' apartment. Yep. It was bizarre. Yeah. And, I, and I've told you guys this, and I, I've said this on this podcast before. I went to Valpo because of this, mm-hmm. because of that week, because I'm from Milwaukee. Bill and Bob Jenkins are from there. Yep. And and I was looking. I, I went to a different school that first year, 98, 99. But, uh, you know, I'd already made my decision. But I started looking at Valpo because of the fact that all of a sudden they're on the news nonstop. I was a senior in high school. We 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 all skipped school that day, and I threw a party at my house. Yeah. And my, my best friend was going to Valpo the following year, so we were all Valpo fans. Everybody, after the shahad, I, I can tell you this: everybody in the country in that Sweet Sixteen against Rhode Island was rooting for Valpo. Yeah, it no was doubt. A, it was an incredible story, and and it ju- it had just so completely captured the hearts of this country. It, 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 you know. It was so well deserved for these guys. Yeah. I mean, they had been together for four years. Like, you know, most of these guys, you talk about the Jenkins and Bryce, and, you know, they, they had finally done it. You know, they had finally beaten someone's well, note. I, I think one thing that kind of really was different was the going to the Sweet 16. There had been Cinderella upsets for one game, but yeah. to win two for a school that size from the from a tiny conference that really nobody knew of to go to the Sweet 16 was pretty much unheard of at that point It time. was. Yeah, you could win a game but there you, was no George Mason runs back. You know back what then. I, here's a, here's an amazing stat. And I'd mentioned this a little earlier that really the top mid-majors um, never really got higher than a 12 and normally were like a 13 and that was it. And they, then the 14, 15, the mid-majors were never like like, you know, Butler had been a five years later or, yeah. you know, Wichita State had been a six years later. That never happened. In fact, here we are, 1998, Valpo's a 13th seed. They were the only 13th seed to reach the Sweet 16 that decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you're think, right. Think, you're think right. about it. It, hap- it, happens, it happens some now, but it never happened back then. Yeah. And, yeah, they finished the season ranked. You know, and they finished the season ranked, ranked. Which, you know. They deserved everything they got because they, it was a struggle. It was a struggle. That whole year was a struggle until until that St. Louis game, like we talked about when they put it together finally. That year was not going. They were not going to the Sweet Sixteen yet, yet Paul. They were. They didn't. That was a team that didn't. They liked each other, but they weren't playing together. They. I mean, it, it was, was a struggle. They were ten and nine, and it was some me ball going on, and in it, it was yeah you. They deserved it. They got their minds right, and you know. maybe it was the girl in Kansas City. Turned <laughs> she turned it all around. Got to go to Ponderosa. Uh, so Valpo goes on. They play Rhode Island, uh, and they lose a tight game there. And talk to me if you guys can. I mean, maybe you guys were in the pressers at this point, but but the uh, the great story of uh, the arena guy coming back to see the team and say, "So your fans, they're not leaving." I remember. I mean, I was still on the air. I actually remember still being on the air. And the, you know, Valpo probably brought five or 6,000 people to St. Louis for that game. Um, and they all stood screaming, we want the team, we want the team, we want the team. We could talk about this. We've been going for 75 minutes and we could go for even longer. But when did the shot become the shot? When immediately. Did, when did that moniker <laughs> get attached to it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I was, I was like kind of jumping up and down and grabbing Sean. <laughs> and I was excited. I was violating all the... No rules, cheering, the, yeah. yeah, the no cheering rules. Sean is actually sitting there trying to write down the play on exactly what happened, so he could write about it in his game story. I'm like, you're to remember what happened. That's crazy. You know, I uh, only once, only once in my time have I violated that, 
and that was the shot 2.0 when Ryan Brokoff hit the shot, and uh, Jim Peters was sitting next to me, and I had been I had been sick earlier in the week, and I'd kind of lost my voice, but I finally was feeling mm-hmm. good, and uh, and he and Brokoff hits that shot, and I jump up and I let out some sort of crazy yell, and I tackle Peters, and we're sitting on these <laughs> not health code. Uh, uh, safe risers oh, up on yeah. the mezzanine, yeah. and uh, it was uh, it was good. This is a this is a crazy question. Did or how did the shot change your life? I don't know if it actually changed my life that much. We, we got th- to, we got to write more articles. I, I, yeah, I we actually. I mean, as far as our lives personally, we had to work a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> because we had a lot more articles. Party. I missed the birthday party. I, I think I was able to force my way into a raise. I think that was one of the only because it raised my profile a little bit with the but that was about well but man. but again when we came back from oklahoma city our editor at the time i was the sports editor we, our main editor brought me into an office is like you guys are putting in too much overtime <laughs> it's like come on look at what we've done mm-hmm. i mean looking back at it it's like give us a break we just worked our butts off for yeah 20 for, years later all these are right. framed at north side i so, yes. yeah, I would say the the difference between our job and todd's job not only is he is it like a, a live high wire act his right. his his job is done when the game's when done, the game's over. Much. He does he does hours and hours of pregame, right? And then the game goes, and then he's pretty much you know he can sign off. Your job really athletic. doesn't start. No, I do in maybe, 1998 I do, it right. didn't start I, I until the game was uh, over. Yeah, I do an hour's worth of research. Maybe I don't I don't need to know how to pronounce all these guys' names, and I don't need to know what their stats are. He needs to have them. Todd has to memorize numbers of the opponents. We don't need to know that. Yeah, and so. <laughs> You know, the, but then after the game, I mean, we would, th- those were day games. So we, right. I mean, we worked, you know, after the we, eight hours. Sean and I each wrote three or four stories a piece. Plus we did a, 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 a notebook compilation with yeah. a bunch of different tidbits. And what we have on our table now is just a very small portion of what we actually hmm. wrote. Todd, what about you? How did it? I, I don't think anything like in, in the big picture changed. I think for that time it was things change. I was the most affected by this because I, I went, to, I went right. to Valpo because of the shots. I, I, um, You're on CBS you, all, you, all the time. You know, but that doesn't change my life. <laughs> but as I, as I go through you know, the, the remainder of my life, as I've gone through the last 20 years, I wear a lot of Valpo shirts. And that's the one thing that I, you always hear. Bryce Drew, the shot. People just come up, hey, Valpo, Bryce Drew, the shot. Mm-hmm. That just shows you the impact it had on the university. Very good. If Valpo were to make a run again, it, it would never touch this, right? I you, mean, yeah, the whole Bryce thing. I mean, he was this town. I mean, he was here for four years in high school, right? Went to the state championship, and then this. People would love it, but like that's the whole thing. Coming from the outside, like this town was in love with this family. Like they, they, I mean, they just loved Bryce, and wherever Bryce was going to play, they were going to follow. And I mean, that's. That was, it was visceral, you know, and so no, it will never be the same, Paul. Unless, uh, well, you know, one thing, not that has changed. Unless my, Bryce and Drew comes here in the, fifteen I, years, yeah. and the one thing that Bryce going to VU changed in this town was it changed it from a high school town mm-hmm. to more of a VU town, no doubt. Before Bryce, no one even really thought that much about the Crusaders. It was all Vikings all the time. And a lot of that had to do with how good the high school team was and how bad Valpo was. But when Bryce came to VU, he kind of changed the mindset. Um, as Todd said, not very many people used to go to the games. And you have all the old-timers sitting in the chair backs, and that was about it at the time. But it brought more people into 
going to VU. And and I've said before, when VU was going through five and twenty two seasons, five and twenty four, I think there your average sports fan didn't even know that L- VU would be eligible to play in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Division one, right? Right. So that is one thing that that changed this town. Well, I think uh, I think we've touched on a lot of good things. Uh, Paul Jankowski, you're. T- t- what did you do? What do you? You don't work in newspaper anymore. What? Uh, <laughs> where? I work uh, for McLennan and Bain Insurance as a health, life, and uh, personal lines insurance agent. Call Sean. me anytime. Sean Hayden. Yeah, I work for the United Steelworkers Union. They have a lifelong education program for their members uh, called the Institute for Career Development, and I work for them. And Todd, you are still the voice of the Crusaders. I think so. Sean, <laughs> Sean, and Paul. Until is, next year. Does this time of year? You you want to scratch an itch at all or anything like that at this t- time of year or do you, do you miss it? No, I mean, it's it. It was work. It was it, it, it's a fun job, you know, but it's work and it's a job and it's you know, people think we maybe have it great, but mm. I did it because it was a job, you know, and and yeah, you get good seats and this and that, but you're still doing, you're still working, and I always was working, and um, I like it better now. I will take. Uh, you know, I, I take the whole day off Thursday and Friday, and that's all I do. I've always told off. people that being a sports writer is fun when you're in your 20s, but it's not necessarily conducive to good family life. Mm-hmm. And it's <laughs> because the hours are terrible. Uh, the one thing I do kind of miss is is covering games and kind of the adrenaline of writing a good story on deadline. I do miss the that. High. It's uh, I don't know, it, it's hard to get that in, in the insurance world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want to ask you one question, Paul. Okay. You did yeah. all these interviews with, with guys from the team. Do any of them? Did any of them express any regret over the Rhode Island game? Just because they could have taken one more step. They were never going to get closer to a Final Four. You know, there was a great clip of Bryce at this prep rally before they left for St. Louis, and he said, "It's about you know, it's about dreaming. It's about two more games. We win two more games, and we're in the Final Four. You know, that was he was right, and they was both these games." They're never going to come closer. You know, I didn't get that a lot. I also admittedly, you know, spent most of my time talking to them about the Ole Miss and Florida State right, games. Right, romanticizing that. Zorin talked about how they were in the game against Rhode Island. Oh, yeah. They were right there. Um, you know, Bryce and Homer both will put a positive spin on yeah. everything. So they kind of avoided, you know, they, I don't even want to say they avoided talking about that, but... Um, one of uh, I think one of my uh, one of my favorite stories was uh, was Bill Jenkins told me a, a story. There's a picture of him and and uh, his brother getting off the bus with Bryce, and they got off the bus together. There's photographs taken, and they, they he said they look like Bryce's bodyguards. <laughs> and uh, but no, I you know what I asked every single one of these guys <laughs> that I talked to, and I've talked to Tony and Z, and I talked to Jamie and and Will and, and William and Robert as they're going by now, mm-hmm, and uh, right. Bryce. And Homer, I talked to all of them, and I said, "What do you think of when I say twenty years?" Same thing I asked you guys, yeah. and, and none of these guys feel like it's been that long. Yeah, and they, and, no, and no. they haven't been back since. Many of these guys haven't been back since the ten year they got they got inducted into the VU Hall of Fame. Mm. If there's one thing I would say, and this is to anyone at Valpo who's listening, uh, these guys, it's a shame to me that this is the twenty year anniversary, and this podcast and these articles are the first time that it's being mentioned. Yeah, right? You're like, right. You're right. Like they, sh- there should have been something and, but these guys want to come back, but they're all over the place. Yeah. They're all yeah. married. 
They've all got kids. Uh, one player, sadly, Monty Gordon, has passed away. Mm-hmm. Died in, in, in 2015 after working at McGraw-Hill Education Company, graduate of Gary Roosevelt High School. He has two children, uh, Monte II and, and Harper, a daughter. Um, very tough to, to hear that. But, but these other guys, and they've all been around before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see... Some of these guys have come back. Obviously, Bryce Drew came back was an assistant and the head coach, and and you see a lot of the other players have have been around a little bit and uh, still come by here and there. And and if you know, I used to go to Bill and Bob's restaurant and bar all the time in Milwaukee. But we need to get these guys back here a little yeah. bit. So isn't maybe you, isn't Jared a coach with Scott? Jared is a coach. He's yeah, a yeah. Uh, video coordinator, I think, which is really like a fourth assistant yeah. coach with Scott. I think. Uh, well, it's five years away, but we'll do a big thing and. In, in, in what would that be? Twenty. I would think twenty twenty-three. Yeah. The silver anniversary, I would yeah. think, would uh, would be great. So, guys, I really want to thank you very much for taking the time and, and really going back in the in the time machine here. Thank you guys very much, and uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having us, Paul. Thanks.